Welcome to this City Sessions edition of the Transforming Cities podcast. In a break from our typical long-form dialogue, each session aims to capture timely stories and sentiment around topics important to our friends and colleagues across the industry. Now, before jumping in, we want to highlight a simple way listeners can give to those in need. Right now, thousands of restaurant servers, bussers, bartenders, and even app-based workers for Lyft, Uber, Instacart, and more are struggling. Most are grappling with the fact that their job simply no longer exists, at least in the short term. So consider impacting change in the lives of those who ensure our spaces are run smoothly by donating to the One Fair Wage Emergency Fund. Basically, right now, it's providing emergency cash assistance for this workforce in the hardest hit areas across the country. Simply visit their website for more information, tap the link in the show notes, and if you want to right now, visit ofwemergencyfund.org. We encourage you to give what you can. Essentially, you had a set business that was proven and working, and you we've now had to shift it two or three times, and getting everybody comfortable and set in those ways. And then you just wait for the next curveball to happen. On this City Sessions episode, I'm joined by Annie Spaeth, owner of the Lynn Hall Restaurant, and Andy Riswald, co-owner of Forgotten Star Brewing, both based in Minneapolis. Annie and Andy represent just two of the thousands of small F&B businesses deeply impacted by the global coronavirus pandemic. We hear from them about what their landscapes look like as they weather their third week of shutdowns. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. Let's jump right in. Anne and Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Absolutely. So Anne, I want to start with you right away and kind of jump into the first question here is really revolving around immediate biggest impacts that you're seeing with your with your food and beverage businesses. With you and the Lynn Hall, what are you seeing right away? What's what's on the front lines today? Well, this week, um, you know, it's dealing with creditors and trying to manage cash flow. I think the difficulty that we're all having as small business owners is that the landscape is changing so rapidly that, you know, last week it was just trying to turn around and take an operation that did the bulk of its business in events and catering. And yes, we have our restaurant, but quickly evolve it into a takeout and delivery. Then Friday with the announcement on the stimulus package, then we all of a sudden lost some really key people on our team. So then it was staffing throughout the weekend and trying to get creative there. And now that I've come up from air with figuring that out and how to staff and keep the operation going, now it's been on to cash flow and waiting for these stimulus um, SBA disaster loans to come through. Mm. Andy, are you seeing similar things with the the brewery or? Yeah, so uh, vast majority of our tap, we're brand new. First of all, we're only four months old, so not ideal timing for all this to happen. Mm. But with with that said, we we didn't have a large distribution part of our business at all. Uh, that wasn't our focus. Our focus was all in house in our tap room sales. So with the governor orders a few weeks ago, um, making so you couldn't be in a restaurant, we like Annie had to pivot really really quickly to just curbside delivery, um, and our team did a really good job with that. And now we're exploring things like delivery, 
but similar similar story to Annie. It's essentially you had a set business that was proven and working, and you we've now had to shift it two or three times and getting everybody comfortable and set in those ways. And then you just wait for the next curveball to happen. The the scary thing on our end is just the uncertainty. Like how long does it, no one knows, right? There's no light at the end of the tunnel yet to really even aim at. It's just kind of catching as many curveballs as you can and dealing with them in the moment. Mm. And, and what is that like for food and beverage businesses? I think maybe we we kind of pretend, those of us not in the industry, maybe sort of pretend to understand what that's like to transition a staff from you know, service at a bar or service in a restaurant to pick up only. But what are the actual mechanics of that? And and, and how does that really impact the business on that day-to-day level? Well, I think for us, you know, we've been in operation for three years, but we've sort of had some fits and starts around online ordering and delivery and, you know, went through the ups and downs of Bite Squad, finally pulled ourselves off. So we were actually just in the process of getting back on to, um, we use a platform called Open Dining that's connected directly to our our focus POS system. And then that in turn partners with DoorDash. So we were in the process of onboarding, but that just went into like exponential speed. Our frustration was then that the systems that support that, and Open Dining has been wonderful, but Bite Squad, they've had our menus for over 10 days and they're still not updated. So it's like the crush of now everybody trying to get out of those platforms has then created a bottleneck. And then when it comes to staffing, you know, we used to have 64 employees. We're now down to eight because we no longer have a need for a front of house team. You know, what what was a busy kitchen and bakery, you know, we're now running two people in the kitchen and one person that's just packaging orders. So we've significantly had to, you know, power down our operation, let all of our events team go. So from our perspective, all of a sudden a lot of jobs evaporated. Mm. Andy, how about on the brewery front? Yeah, we've we've lost. We had uh, around fifteen front of house. Uh, now we're down to two. Their sole job is canning beer and selling for curbside, uh, as well as kind of handling some of the other stuff. And I'm curious what Annie has to say about this. But how we're trying to figure out how we. There's still people asking that. Hey, we'd like to do an event with you in September, and yeah, on our end, we of course want to book them. But at the same time, we don't want to schedule out a lot of business yet until we understand what the end of this looks like. We, I mean. Who knows what new, like as a restaurant or brewery owner, we don't know what kind of new laws might be in place with occupancy. Maybe that shifts entirely. Like who knows? Like that's kind of the the weird thing moving forward is wondering what what the future looks like. Well, and I think for us when it comes to our events, you know, we've just it's been total transparency and proactively reaching out to people who currently have events booked. Mm. Unfortunately, we lost a wedding that was supposed to happen on March 28th. The bride and groom still wanted to insist on going ahead with it. And we just kept referring back to the governor's order. And Mm. now what we're seeing is a lot of these folks that have April events, those, of course, are now off. So we're having to either rejigger those if their dates are flexible. But what we're finding is, you know, weddings and things like that, a lot of these young people are just eloping because Mm -hmm. they don't want to wait. They just want to go ahead. But we definitely, I mean, we have events booked through 2021. So we're still continuing to 
you know, move forward on those and, and communicate with our guests and, and just make sure they feel comfortable and up to date with everything that we have going on on our end. So, Anne, do you, do you literally kick those dates out beyond, you know, at this point, April 30th being the kind of the federal guidelines, but do you, do you kick things just, just beyond that date? And then you sort of let them know this is going to be potentially another conversation with you in four or five more weeks, or how do you handle that communication? Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's ongoing. I have a, um, one of our team that is working remotely and that's all she's doing is checking in every day and communicating with those guests. Again, as, as more and more information continues to come down the pipeline, those are the first people that are on our radar to follow up, make sure they're still comfortable. Yeah. You know, a lot of our corporate clients, of course, everybody's kind of working from home. So we really haven't heard much from that, but yeah, it hurts when we've had to return some huge deposits from summer buyouts. Mm-hmm. That hurts. And Andy, before we hopped on, you mentioned wanting to touch on the communication and tone to the customers. And I think we're kind of transitioning to that moment now, but how has that changed? And how do you, how do you communicate what's happening? How do you get updates out quickly? What has that been like? And, and how do you see that continuing for the brewery? The industry, I think, has been really impressive to look at just from the outside looking in even. It, I mean, people are rebuilding their entire websites in the matter of two days to get an online menu built, right? Like, it's it's really impressive to see how fast everyone's been able to pivot. Um, but branding-wise and marketing-wise, on our end at least, it's been a, some hard conversations. To how do we want to approach this? Do, do you want to be lighthearted and fun? Do you want to be really serious and take into consideration the tone of the moment we're in. So we've kind of, we're kind of stuck in the middle of this, trying to balance this line of, you know, we're providing beer for people, which should be a lighthearted, fun thing. But at the same time, we're going through an unimaginable time. None of us could really foresee happening in our lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's that message is a hard one to, for us, it's been kind of difficult to decide where we want to go with our messaging. We don't want to be all us, us, us come get beer from us at all. So the way we've approached it is we've always tried to do something with the community and we've decided just to make our tap room a giant mobile blood bank. So we have, like, as we speak, we have the Red Cross there doing a blood drive right now. I think we have two every one or two every week until the end of April. And our goal is to hit a thousand, a thousand lives affected with, with blood, with a blood drive. So that's, that's, we're trying to figure out the right tone that still drives in sales, but also, uh, incorporates community and addresses the seriousness of the situation. I, I imagine that has to be really difficult to strike the balance because you don't want it to be about me, me, me and, and selling beer yep. because this isn't a playful, fun, jovial, let's go grab a beer moment. At the same time, exactly. you're you're a business and you need to sell to keep the lights on. And that has to be a really tricky place to be in. Uh, and yeah. do, do, you, do you feel like you're similarly in that position of how do I talk about this and what is our tone and and affect to our customers? Well, luckily, you know, and again, I think this is the benefit of having a little bit longer runway behind us, you know, having been open uh, for three years, you know, we just spent a lot of time over the last six months talking about our mission, our vision, you know, really revisiting those things since we were coming up for air after just running really hard for three years. 
And, you know, the a big piece of the Lynn Hollis community and community gatherings and and conversations. Um, we have our own nonprofit fund that we set up um, that helps people in our industry that are struggling with mental and chemical health issues. So when this all first broke and started to come down the pipeline, we had opportunities to partner with some community partners around a community kitchen and, awesome. you know, talk about getting out of the gates on that and then decided that we need to really pull back and just get our team situated before. But I love, you know, being on social media and seeing things like what you know, you guys are doing with, with the blood bank, you know, all of that is so important right now. And, um, and so I think for us, when it comes to messaging, it just felt right that any posts, any information that we were doing were around the people enjoying our food. You know, if they couldn't have it at our tables that they were having it around their own. Um, but also now just today, um, you know, one of our nursery speakers in conjunction with our lawn table fund, Dr. Henry Emmons, they're having a Facebook live event starting tonight that's focusing on how do we stay calm in the face of COVID. And they're um, two very well-respected uh, integrative and functional mental health doctors in town. So that was a, a post that we put up today that again, felt right um, for us. But I think every day, you know, whereas before we would have scheduled posts weeks out in advance, now it's literally every day. What feels yep. right? Mm -hmm. We're also encouraging our community to share their images. And then we're using those as part of our, our messaging going forward. Let's pivot into two topic areas that are that are interrelated, certainly. Number one being supporting the business at a business level, and then number two being supporting the staff and the relationships that have been built for both of your businesses. Let's start with the the kind of the business logistics level. You know, we talked a little bit about the paycheck protection program, but what are you both doing to safeguard as much as possible the business to get a little bit more money in the bank and 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 kind of be prepared for whatever comes next. Andy, to your point about not knowing when this is going to end, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Annie, let's start with you and, and, and hear what you're doing with the Lynn Hall. Well, I like probably everybody else who has a small business have applied for the SPA disaster relief loan. And that was really first put on my radar by my bank. And then also we'll be applying for the payroll. Um, you know, for us right now, as I said before we got on the call, you know, I've, I've spent the day talking with creditors. And for me, it's all about priority one is making sure that we can honor the payroll for those that continue to work with us. As I said, so many of the people that remain on our team and are working with us are folks that don't qualify for unemployment. They were the first ones to come back and say, how can we help? We want to work. Mm. And I, I owe it to them to continue to, to give them jobs. And, and, and the community has been incredibly generous with their tips. So I'm now, you know, these guys are making some really great money. Kind of worried when this is over about <laughs> how <low> that conversation <laughs> is going to go when they're not making this huge hourly wage. But, you know, I think for me, it's come down to like, it gets so overwhelming at times that I just keep going back to priority one is my people. How do I pay them? How do I keep them safe? And then priority two is, you know, of course, our community and our guests that continue to support us. But man, I'm always looking out for our people. 
they're, mm. they're the reason I'm here. They're the reason why Lynn Hall is, is still going after three years. Yeah. Andy, how about the brewery? Uh, yeah, that was really well said. I mean, I, she, Annie nailed it. That's a great <laughs> philosophy and focus. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm one of four partners for the brewery. So there's four of us and we're really lucky where all four of us kind of have a strength. We have a head brewer who's his core focus is just brewing beer. He doesn't have to think about anything else. We have myself where a lot of that's a lot of my, my task is uh, the brand and the community. And our other two partners are more on the finance side. So luckily they've been dealing with a lot of what Annie's had to been juggle as in addition to everything else she's doing with it when it's going with the SBA and the banks and credit, but just, just, uh, in that survival mode, we've essentially buttoned up and hunkered down as tight as we can. We've kept our team really, really lean and keeping the right people really happy and hopefully keep them safe and healthy and supported and knowing that they're going to take care of our customers. Our customers will continue to support us in any, any way that they can, or we give them the opportunity to. So that's for, what we've done. For others listening, I'm, I'm curious what your advice would be to them um, with regards to their staff. How, how are you handling staff communication? How are you handling recommendations to maybe staff that you've had to let go? You know, what what do you tell them and, and what what resources can you provide to them? Well, I think, you know, yesterday I had a call to cut an L with somebody struggling with unemployment. And I'm a lawyer by trade. <laughs> and now I'm understanding why all of these really weird law jobs I had in the past have been beneficial. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like it's questions that are across the whole spectrum, just like you know, a business owner is used to. But yesterday I was trying to walk this person through, you know, that process and the appeal process. Our communication, quite frankly, after people left us has been largely phones, texting. But really, it's, you know, if somebody needs to know, has questions about their health insurance, COBRA, Mm -hmm. you know, people coming back and saying, um, sadly, one of our key members of our team relapsed. Again, we're very open about, you know, our support of folks in the industry that are struggling with mental and chemical health. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's been a really tough time for many people and especially those that already are struggling and it's have that safety net of a job be gone and evaporate just like that. That's, those are the calls that really, they kill me. It's, it's hard to have had to let those people go. Yeah. We we got our the person we hi- our general manager hired since we're so young we wanted to be pretty agile with how we hired and I I don't I think all but two people have primary full time jobs and being a beer tender with us was a, a secondary or part time job so a lot of them were okay with us not being able to be open um, we did keep our general manager and our taproom manager on uh, and they've been doing phenomenal. Uh, and all the communication to the rest of the staff goes through them. And I know they, I, I know they're, everyone seems very supported so far. So that's good. Before we wrap up, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts to others that are listening, others that are maybe going through a similar situation. Before we jump off here, what's like the biggest thing you've learned in the last three weeks, just about relationships, business, anything that comes to mind? What's one nugget that you can leave behind uh, for someone that's listening who might be struggling or in a similar situation? Andy, let's start with you. For me, it it was actually through a conversation with Paul Hyde a few weeks ago, and he said it really, really well. 
now more than ever, it's really important the relationship you have with the people you do business with. So I also own a chiropractic clinic in the North Loop, Minneapolis. And the yin and yang between the two businesses is pretty stark. So the brewery is, we have a lot of great things and we're, we're I, it's really hard right now, but I, we're going to be okay. The clinic, there's a lot of moving pieces with that. To Paul's point, you really, it really matters who you do business with um, and who your partners are and all these things. It's, it's my biggest eye-opening piece is moving forward, just making sure any business relationship I have, is, I treat it almost like a family relationship. It's, mm-hmm. They're important especially when times get tough. Andy, how about you? Let's uh, let's bring it home with with your thoughts. Well, I think, you know, I absolutely would, would um, second that. I feel like relationships, you know, I think that was something that was always stressed to me growing up is your reputation, relationships. I, I certainly know coming from the children's mental health world around the power of, of relationships. And I've seen that play out certainly with our staff supporting one another with, you know, having great landlords like Paul Hyde, who you can have these difficult conversations with. I feel incredibly blessed. The Lynn Hall came to life through the power of relationships and continues to thrive with those same types of relationships, not just with the people we do business with, but with our our community of makers and our our customers and our, our employees. But I'm reminded of that every day. And, you know, when I have um, somebody on our team, we just brought one back one of our dishwashers today and he was crying in the kitchen telling me how grateful he was <laughs> for the opportunity to work. Mm. You know, when I think it's it's hard sometimes, and, and this is what I've had to remind myself, you know, after you have these days where you get beat up on the phone talking to creditors, that, you know, there is such a bigger... <laughs> a bigger reason why we went into business and why we as small business owners do this and continue to get up every day and fight the good fight. And when I have conversations like that or conversations with a member of our, of our prep cook team who are sent, his son is dying of ALS. He doesn't qualify for unemployment. You know, this is his only job and this is the way he feeds his son. This is the way he cares for his son man, I can suck it up and make it another day. Mm -hmm. Annie and Andy, beyond thanks for your time today. I know this is is a really difficult patch for you all and and we wish you nothing but the best of luck and, uh, you know, all all of the best, nothing, nothing less moving forward. And thank you for your time today. Really appreciate your insight. And I'm sure that others listening also feel the same. So thank you again. Thanks for having us. Transforming Cities is brought to you by Authentic Form and Function, the digital design and development team that just might be a perfect fit for your next urban project. If you're a new listener, you can follow along at authenticff.com slash transforming cities, or you can simply subscribe through your favorite apps, including iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for joining us.